Hi, this is from Romans 12, 1 through 13 from the message. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace, it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets the meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other. We're trying to be something we aren't. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't bum out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians be inventive in hospitality. This is the word of the Lord. I got tickled by that don't be bossy. Reminded me of a time that uh, I was running a preschool center for our church and my best friend Andy Y'all need to meet her one day. I talk about her like every week. But um, she was working for me, and she was in the kitchen. And we had like this schedule of what food for day of the week, da 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 And so she came to me that morning, and she says, the menu says corn. 
but I'd rather do green beans. Is that okay with you? And I went, no, that's not okay with me. You need to do what the menu says. But we have more green beans than we do corn. It makes sense. And I said, no, you do what the menu says. And then I keep going on, and she just keeps hounding me about it. And I'm like, I am your boss. Do what I say. She's never let me live that down. It was a moment of not too proud of, I can say. Anyway, don't be bossy. She would love that um, translation. I Googled in my Google Docs where I keep uh, my sermons how many times I've used Romans 12, 1 through 13. It's been a lot. I think I really like this verse. I'm not sure, but I think I really like it. So we're talking about community pretty much the whole year. Uh, we will get to other things as well, but it's all going to come back to community no matter what's being taught from up here. As you can see, I have no notes. I, I, have, I have like three notes right here. So that's lucky for you. We won't be here long. Because what I want to say to you is more than just teaching or a sermon this morning. If I could, if we were not live streaming and if we didn't have people watching online, I would say, everybody come with me to the fellowship hall and let's get at some tables and talk. So I want you to feel that this morning. This is a conversation between all of us. This is not just me hammering on about something. This is your opportunity to speak up to community serving in community. A lot of us come from places where we were manipulated or coerced or guilted into serving in our community, and our church community. If that is your testimony this morning, would you be brave enough to raise your hand? Yeah. I see some Enneagram 2s out there too. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, it's not good. It's not good to feel like you've been, like, I remember years ago, probably about 12 years ago, we were at a new church, and um, I, I'm not a hospitality person. I don't know the first thing about food. I don't know the first thing about setting a table and making it pretty. It's not my thing. So, but we had a hospitality committee at this church, and they needed help. And I was like, mm. they come to me and say, would you be willing to help? Sure, I'll do that. The first event that we did was like this fall festival type thing and I was miserable the entire time and I realized what are you doing well, I was just trying to make people happy I was just you said you needed me and I'll be there even though I know I am not good at that and I'm just pretty much wasted on this team so I had to go back and say I really need to come off this team I'm so sorry this is just not my thing I felt terrible saying it but it was the truth and it was freeing as well to be able to say yes I am female but not all females have hospitality as a gift or setting a table or making a beautiful meal um, and it's just not my thing Glennon Doyle tells a story in one of her books I think it's in Love Warrior but I could be wrong I, I couldn't find it this morning and I'm just going to kind of paraphrase so if you know this story and if I tell it completely wrong just ignore, just, just don't tell me. I don't like knowing those things. But uh, I'm kidding. Um, anyway, so this is what I'm going to say about this story. So Glennon was talking about the spirit leading us to do things, that compunction we feel like I should help this person. I should call this person. I should whatever this person. 
being in community. We get that nudge from the Spirit, go here, do that, whatever. And she said there was a woman, and her, her, her sister was not particularly religious and did not really have a church community. And uh, when she said that her sister told her that her next-door neighbor had been stricken with cancer, and she was a young mom with young children and was from away from home and didn't really have anybody to kind of help her walk through this. And she was telling Glennon, she said, there were some women in my neighborhood that found out about it, and they were like, these were church women, and they were like, Oh, we've got a former prayer circle for this family. We'll, we'll set up days that we pray for this family all during the week so they're covered with prayer. And she told Glennon, she said, they need prayer, sure, if you believe in that, but what they really need is casseroles. Yeah, right? Right? Pray, but my heavens, they need food. Who's going to cook? Husband's trying to keep the health insurance and working, etc. The practicality of community. And Glennon said, my sister didn't know it, but she was definitely being led by the Spirit. And so her sister organized this food team for this woman the entire time she was in chemo. And Glennon just talked about how beautiful it was to see that leading of the Spirit to do casseroles, to do food for this family, the practical things. Serving in church, I get it. I, and, and let me just say this right off the bat. I'm, I'm never going to guilt you or shame you into serving somewhere. I'm not going to do it. If you feel that from me, check me on it. But that's just not who I want to be, and it's not who I think I am. But having said that, the Bible does talk about serving in community. And we can't really get around that. And so there are things that we can do inside this building and outside this building to serve our community. Some of you do it in such beautiful, quiet ways that I'll find out from somebody else, oh, so-and-so took care of that. And I'll be like, oh, wow. And I love that. I think that's beautiful, and I think there's things that you just jump in and you handle, and I think that's just really lovely, and I really do appreciate that. There are other things just inside the four walls I know it's more than four walls, but you get my metaphor, of this church that we need help with. Uh, we could use help with the children on Sunday morning. We could use help in AV uh, back there. We could use help with music. Uh, we could use help with coffee on Sunday morning. We could use help with greeters as people are walking in the door. Just those tiny, the small things that we could use some volunteers for. And I feel like, not. I'm not going to shame and guilt you for it again, but I would be remiss if I didn't say to you, hey, there are opportunities that we need you. And we, we need you if you have capacity for it. Some people come into this church from a place of deep hurt and disillusionment and trauma, spiritual trauma. And this is just not the season for you. To greet somebody at the front door would be like a root canal with no anesthesia for you right now. God, I get it. I've been there. I told you last week I went 18 months without darkening the door of a church because I had to have that break. I, had, I don't want you to leave for 18 months. Don't follow my example, okay? I get it. We all need a time out. I think that's healthy, and I think that's right, and nobody should make you feel bad about that. Nobody, and I hope nobody ever does. 
I wrote something on, or typed, I, re, uh, I reposted something on Facebook this morning from a psychiatrist that I follow on Twitter. I've always been fascinated with mental health and uh, something that I have struggled with, depression and anxiety and all the other things. And so I'm always fascinated and want to learn more about not only myself, but about the people that I'm around. I want to understand you better. And she said that uh, people-pleasing is a way of safety-keeping. People-pleasing is a way of safety-keeping. Now, this is where I invite you into the conversation. What do you think when you hear that statement? Say, so, ugh, yeah. Yeah. Because it's false, right? There's no safety in that. But for someone who desperately needs the approval of others, it feels safe if everybody likes me. I confess to you this morning, this has probably been the biggest struggle of my life, is wanting to make people happy. I hate disappointing people. I hate saying no. And I also want to tell you that Holly Earlson is one of the best people on the planet to check me on that sometimes. Are you really sure you can do that? Uh, sure. Okay. I was telling her this past week, I dropped something from my plate, and she, good for you. Absolutely good. Even though it was a good thing I was planning to do. A really good thing. She was like, I'm proud of you. Way to go. Holly, that means more to me than you'll ever know. We need people like that who will check us, who will say, maybe not. Maybe this is not for you right now. Maybe this is just not. And I'm so thankful for that. I was talking to uh, Rich this morning during the seven-minute time. I'm sorry to embarrass you, but I just have to because what you said was so good. He was talking about the, the, the post that I had on Facebook morning, this morning about people-pleasing and safety-keeping, and he said, so if you are not people-pleasing, wait a minute, I'm going to mess that up. What did you say again? Oh, yes. He said, for those of you watching online, those that couldn't hear in the back, is the opposite true? So people that uh, don't need to people please, they feel safe. And so he was saying, so we need to be safe for people. I had chills all over me when he said that. It was just one of those Holy Spirit things. I'm, not, I'm never going to forget that. It's going in my journal. Am I safe? It, yes. Yes. Oh, oh, that's a whole word right there. Lisa said that it's true with children. If they feel safe, they act a fool, right? They act crazy and oh, because they feel safe. They know they can do it. They don't fear us. That's so important. Are we safe for people? If I were to ask you to do something, if I were to ask you to help in godly play, and you were to say to me, oh, I don't know, I'll think about it, maybe, you know, I don't, I'm not sure, I'll, I'll, I'll pray about it. But you don't feel safe enough to say to me, 
I don't like children. <laughs> you should never ask me to help with the children. I've had somebody tell me that before. I will not call her name out loud. She knows who she is. Do you feel safe to say that? You just hate having it thrown right back in your face, right? <laughs> I was sharing with Jen this week about an adult child that we are um, estranged. And she told me off at some point and you know, I was horrified, but I t was telling her on some level, I was proud of her that she felt like she could say that to me. I would have never said that to a parent. I would have been too afraid. But the fact that she was willing to just, you know, she went for the jugular. It was hella painful. But she felt safe to say that. Where you can't say things yeah. to your parents. Yeah, I never could. I could never say anything back to my parents. I would have, that just didn't happen in my world. And it does leave you feeling unsafe. And like you need to please people so they're not disappointed in you. But it's a vicious cycle. I can't tell you how many times over the years my aim has been to please people, to not have them disappoint me, and they do it anyway. Because we're human. And it really has nothing to do with me. I, um, I love look, working with the leadership team. If I... Uh, we have a couple of psychotherapists on the leadership team, which I think is like the best on thing. And, you know, if I'm spiraling in my head about something, I will reach out. Hey, is this me or am I seeing something? Maybe it's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, there's an issue right here and you need to fix it or you need to jump in there or something like that. And I will, I will email one of them or both of them, what do you think? And they say, oh, man, you're tripping. That is not there. You're spiraling. It's not there. But they do it in a way that's not condescending doesn't make me feel like a bad person or shame. It just helps me see it outside of this people-pleasing disease that I have inside me. I will say this. It's not as bad as it was when I was in my, when I were, when I was in my 20s and 30s. I've evolved a little bit. I've learned a little bit about not reacting immediately. I'm slower to react to things. I want to process things. Maybe this is not what I'm seeing, but it's still there. That inclination can still be there. And as far as, you know, helping out around Imago, some of you are Enneagram 2s. Are you a 2, Laura? Okay. You are. You Enneagram 2s, you are. I'm not talking to Enneagram 2s this morning. You do enough. Okay? You do enough. Who else is an Enneagram 2? You do enough. An Enneagram 2 would hear something like this and feel a little bit of guilt, right? Oh, I should be doing this. Oh, I need to do that. Because an Enneagram 2 wants to help. Lynn is saying that it, there's a fine line there. We can turn into mean. And uh, Vicki said, stop with the Baptist stuff. I feel that. It resonates. Yes, that's it. You don't have to be friends, but you have to be kind. Yes, that's right. Marcia has said it's not, extremes are not good. I grew up Southern Baptist. You know, if you, if you drank, buddy... You are a horrible individual. I, my ex-husband was a music minister for years in, in Southern Baptist churches, and every winter he would get this horrible cough. And, I mean, just, it came every year like clockwork. He would have to drive two counties away, two counties away from us, to go get whiskey for his throat. Now, that's, that's not okay. 
Vicki says we have to know ourselves to be able to say no to things. We know, okay, I'm not really a big fan of kids. I probably don't need to do that. Uh, I, don't greet, I don't meet people that easily. I, I'm awkward at it myself. The thought of me being a greeter sends anxiety down my spine. Uh, but some of you are gifted at that. Some of you can walk up to a total stranger. My oldest son is like that. Every vacation we ever went on, he had a best friend within six hours. I mean, he never met a stranger. If that's your personality, we need you as a greeter. <laughs> I mean, that's a specific thing, right? And if you know I'm not good at that, that's not really my thing, don't do it. Some of you can sing. We need you up here. <laughs> if you have space for it, if you have capacity for it. But if you don't, it's no for you. I will also say, I, I, don't, I don't worry so much about numbers. I worry, I, I, I'm, I'm concerned with people. And um, so when, I, when I'm saying that I want us to serve, that's what I'm thinking of is people that have needs and we're here and hopefully we can meet them. But I will say this because Jeff Earlson, I wanna, sorry Jeff if you ever watch this, um, said in an in a, in a email to me and Heather, Heather, dear heavens, Tara, y'all forgive me, um, that he just wants more people in this area to know about us because we have such a special thing here. And he sent some ideas that he had been thinking, well thought out. He's really been chomping on this. And I love that because that's what I think. I think I wish more people knew about us because we are not your typical church. I hope we're not. I don't ever want to be the typical church. I want us to stay different. I hope we stay different. I hope that we operate in a way that is life-giving, not life-taking, not guilt, not shame, but love and kindness, mercy, forgiveness, grace. I shared with you not too long after I came here, that sign on that door over there says, Come as you are. Every single church I've ever been a part of has sang that song, Come, come Just As You Are. Y'all know that it goes back a minute. But they didn't really mean it. We didn't really mean it. We mean that. Whoever came up with that, you mean it. And that's who I hope we remain. But I want other people to find. Because some people just give up. And they think, I, God's not, it's not a thing, it's a fantasy, whatever. And they give up. I don't want you to give up. And I don't want others to give up. Because there's such a better way than, like Vicki was talking about, these, these toxic Christi Christian beliefs that we need to divorce ourselves from, walk away from. Deconstruction's painful and scary. I get it. But my friends, there are some things we need to deconstruct. I met with uh, Jen and Ken this week. They have the same heart. They're like, I want more people to know about us. How do we do that? Well, that's not my wheelhouse. I wish I had ways. I don't, I don't know. And probably because I haven't been here long enough to know the people of Peoria. But if you have some ideas, some thoughts, if this is something that you, if, if, if what I've just said, what Jeff said, and what I'm saying with Jen and Ken, if that resonates with you, like your heart beats a little bit faster, like, oh, Oh, that's me. That's, then you need to see me. <laughs> we need to get you together. And I hope that outside of here we can bring people in, not to have numbers, but to see lives changed. 
and to see people find a new way to see Jesus, a new way to see church. Messy. Oh, my heavens, are we messy. I can't even count the ways. Starting with your pastor. There's nobody messier. (laughs) But I want people to know who we are. And I'm not talking about billboards. I'm not talking about, I don't know, what else do we do? TV spots. I don't know. Let me just say, if somebody decides to do that, it will not be me. Y'all have to do that. I'm just teasing. Anyone else? I hope that you find your spot here. I hope you find your, your lane, your thing that, you lo- that you're passionate about, that you want to see happen. I encourage you to think about that over the next week. Some of you have plenty to do already. You don't need to think of another lane at all. I'm not talking about that. But I hope that you find your thing, the thing that makes you passion, that gives you passion, makes you light up, makes your heart beat a little faster. I hope you find that.